How do you cope with shock or fear? Do you have the inner strength when you feel like there is none left? Faith Wilcox was able to find moments that were good, even when her daughter was near the end of her life. And as a mother, Faith was shredded apart by the grief of losing her daughter, her marriage, and her life as she knew it. Today she was going to share how she went from a mother in despair to a mother who had hope for the future. Anyone who has struggled in any area of their lives is going to appreciate what Faith has to share with us today. She has so much to encourage us with and help us through those moments. So stay tuned. Have you ever felt like giving up, quitting, throwing in the towel? Welcome to Never Ever Give Up Hope featuring Carol Grant. She's an author, health coach, and motivational speaker. Backed into a corner multiple times in her life, Carol shares with you stories on how she overcame some of the toughest obstacles a person can go through in life, but refused to give up hope. Rather than admit defeat, an opportunity was presented, and it involves each and every one of you. Carol will feature spectacular guests who will share their messages of hope, encouragement, and their inspiration to prove why life's adversities only make you stronger. And now, welcoming the host of the show, here's Carol Grant. And welcome to Never Ever Give Up Hope. I'm so happy to have you with us today. Thank you. I'm thrilled to be here too. So, as I mentioned in the brief introduction, one of the first things that I want to talk about, because this is something that so many people, and it seems more so now than ever in the last few years, have to cope with, and that is their worst nightmare, which is the loss of a child. Could you share your story about what happened? First of all, let's start at when she was diagnosed with a rare cancer. And if you want to start prior to that and share anything about her or her life or whatever, please feel free. My daughter Elizabeth was an outgoing girl, a very good athlete, and a friend to many. She had a very warm way about her and she engaged many people with her humor, uh, her fun, and she was all around a very positive child. Toward the end of June of her seventh grade year, she started to have pain in her right knee. And we went to one doctor who just thought maybe she was having growth pains. And as they continue, these pains continued, I went to see an orthopedic doctor and very soon my worst nightmare happened. We went to see an orthopedic doctor the following day and I was not aware that this doctor who had been recommended was an orthopedic oncologist. Oh, really? Yes, so I stood in front of the placard so my daughter couldn't see orthopedic oncologist, and I think that worked. 
But then when we were in the waiting room, there were people who had prostheses. There were people mm. who you know, had had serious traumas of some sort. The worst nightmare started unfolding on that day. Oh. Elizabeth had blood draws done. She had CT scans done. She had an MRI done. And by the end of the week, we knew that she had a very rare form of bone cancer called osteosarcoma. It is one of the worst childhood cancers. My heart was actually beating so hard for days, actually sort of very revved up, frightened state. And I was struggling with this because I also wanted to stay strong and calm for her, which I think I did pretty well on the outside, but my inside was just so torn up. And Elizabeth started 10 months of chemotherapy treatments and they were very intensive and in that the chemotherapy that she was given would completely wipe her out for a week. So she would spend one week in the hospital and then she would spend one week at home and then we'd go back and spend one week in the hospital. Watching my daughter get weaker and weaker and watching her hair come out and watching it seemed like all of her strength and energy being taken away was so, so very, very hard. And despite being given really world-class care and an innovative therapy, Elizabeth died in my arms one year later to the day after she was diagnosed. And at this time, the continuation of the nightmare became more intense. And I was really not able to cope um, very well with even day-to-day -day things. I'd go to the grocery store and I'd see her favorite little bite brownies and I would just collapse in tears and run out of the stores. There were many things that were jarring to me and yet I knew I had to pull myself together the best I could to look after my surviving daughter, Olivia, who was then 15. And Olivia and Elizabeth had been best friends. They were only 18 months apart in age. And Olivia was absolutely torn up with her grief. And there were days that we grieved together. And there were days that we grieved apart. Of course, a mother and daughter can be very close. But we've never, ever experienced some trauma like this. And how people react to trauma can differ. My daughter often reacted with anger. Uh, and being a teenager, I later learned that that is quite common, that it is easier energy to project anger than to project the grief that she was feeling. And she might have thought if she really gave into her grief, she wouldn't be able to manage in high school or manage her life very well. But as I say, there were also times when we grieved together the loss of Elizabeth. Your, da your daughter was diagnosed 20 years ago. You have had to deal with this all that time as well as your daughter. There are different phases of grief, I'm sure that you would agree. And it is always there. Is that what you would agree to that? Absolutely. There is the initial time of grief, which is totally overwhelming and even the smallest of activities can be a very, very big effort. And how did you get through, at the time, even making the effort of doing the day-by-day -day things, did you gain strength even as time went on, like as an encouragement to someone who may be going 
through this before you did anything specific how are you dealing with not only your own but your daughter's grief on a daily basis to to gain some possibly some insight or some strength I gained a lot of strength from my family and my friends and my community I was really really blessed with people who would bring me meals people who would just be extraordinarily kind to me or take or I would go on walks with them I just felt that I was never alone and that helped me helped me go over many many hurdles okay. I also counseling that helped me too would you give us any tips as far as what we can do when we see someone possibly who has just uh, gone through a, a sudden loss or a, you know any type of devastating loss like what can we do I know that very often people looking from the outside in they don't know what to say or what to do and I have always felt and also many of the people who I've interviewed on this show have said that just be there just give them a hug or a smile you don't have the answers for them so don't attempt to give them the answers would you agree with that and maybe expound on that yes I totally agree with that I think a really good friend or a really good family member can be a good listener there are times when it's just important to be able to express a lot of feelings that are bottled up inside and to be able to feel comfortable expressing them there are some people who will avoid you in the aisles of the grocery store mm-hmm. are others who will reach out to you and whether it's just listening to you or whether it's um, doing an activity together or a couple of times I was invited for a weekend at a at a house on the shore it made a big difference to me I could lean on their strength and that helped me enormously I like that lean on their strength so what you're saying is that we as the stronger people as a friend in this scenario let them lean on us let them talk let them share whatever they have to share we don't it's more so being open and allowing them to share than it is for us to try to find the words to encourage them agreed absolutely agreed how did you cope with your daughter's situation you mentioned that you know her grief was coming from a completely different direction than yours was and you were coping with your own so how did you help your daughter through this because I think that's a common scenario as well for a teenager I think that's very true I think many teenagers react this way also siblings if there's a they feel a lot of survivor guilt which okay is so very very hard to work with and of course it's not one bit their fault but for some reason they feel that they're the only ones left and why was their brother or sister taken from them so I think counseling is very important I think counseling for the child who is suffering is important and I also think counseling together with a mother and child or father and child or family counseling together can really help to open up perhaps what my daughter in this case was feeling and sometimes just didn't want to share with me she didn't want to burden me Um, she had part of her that felt protective of me when she saw me at some of my very worst times so I think getting 
professional help can help and also friends again can make a very very big difference um, my adult friends were close to Alex helped her took her on uh, sometimes took her shopping sometimes took her to appointments while I was working they just were there for her and that made an enormous difference in our lives. You collapsed with grief at one point because you were unable to cope with everyday life and you did share a little bit about that and the struggles of even like going to the grocery store or just the day-by-day activities but you were also suffering in an emotionally damaging marriage. Now how did that affect you in your grieving process and did that also have an impact on you? on your other daughter, Olivia? Uh, it definitely had an impact on uh, my daughter, Olivia. Very soon after my daughter, Elizabeth, was diagnosed, I realized that I did not have the capacity to both take care of my daughters and to be in a very difficult and damaging marriage. It made it extremely clear to me that my number one concern was my children and that I had to leave this household and I went to live with my sisters where I had an extreme amount of support and love and care. And that made a absolute world of difference for me. After I was divorced, after my daughter Elizabeth died, it was a very difficult time. As you know, you have hopes and dreams for a marriage and mm-hmm. they were really shattered. I had to pick up the pieces the best I could and I had a hope that someday, somewhere, I once again would find a relationship or relationships that were loving and fulfilling and where a man would be also kind to me. I had that hope and I held on to it. One thing that I appreciate that you just said was that you picked up the pieces. You actually did pick up the pieces. And we want to talk about how and what changed in your life after you made that decision. So we're going to take a short 30 second break and then we're going to come back and hear how people who are going through something similar or possibly any type of loss or grief can turn their life around, can gain strength, can gain many positive aspects in their life not only for themselves but to help others so stay tuned and we'll be right back carol graham would like to show you the path from misery to miraculous triumph in her fast-paced memoir battered hope she relates her determination to succeed as someone who experienced one horrendous nightmare after another gang raped and left for dead loss of a child husband falsely imprisoned, and cancer. Nothing could break her tenacity or faith. No matter what you face, heartache, loss, suffering, or injustice, Carol will illustrate how she became a victor the same way you can. The secret is to never, ever give up hope. Order your copy at Amazon or batteredhope.blogspot.com. You mentioned before the break, that you had to pick up the pieces. You had to find your strength someplace. You had to not only uproot your daughter from her home and um, you know relationship with her father and everything else that you were dealing with with grief and losing her sister, your daughter. There were 
many other parts of your life that had to change. And I think a lot of people who go through this need some guidelines. And so why don't you share what happened and how you dealt with that and what you can help others who may be going through something similar? Of course. First, I'd say be kind to yourself. Know that one day you will feel stronger, you will feel better, you will be able to do a few more things in your daily life. But be very kind to yourself and very patient with yourself because everyone is on a different timetable, but we all know that this takes time to recover from one's grief or shock or fear. And I try to do this more on a day-to-day level. I learned not to anticipate and expect too much of myself. One thing I had to do was to return to work as I was supporting my family on my own now. And I actually found when I was with my colleagues that part of me would put my grief a little bit to the side for the day. And that was really helpful. And I hadn't known that that was going to be true. So that was a that was a good surprise for me. Another thing I'd say is to pursue those hobbies that you like, whether it's bike riding or whether it's listening to music. In my case, writing is very important, writing in a journal. But to pursue things that bring you pleasure. And as again, I'll refer back to friends, spending time with friends, spending time with family. It can also be helpful to try some new things. For example, on a holiday, to try going to a new place and bringing your family with you. It's difficult to have your family dinner at the same table when there's one empty place. It can be an improvement to go to a city. For example, I went to Newport in Rhode Island where I saw beautiful mansions. I had my Christmas meal out with my daughter. I also met up with a friend and I was able to have different kinds of experiences and that helped me enormously. Changing possibly your habits, your daily habits to gain a little different perspective and also not be a constant reinforcement of she's not here when you're going to the same places that you used to go to. Is that kind of what you're saying? That's right. That's right. Going back to the same places can be very, very hard. Now, one thing that you did share with me earlier that I'd like you to uh, share with our audience, and that is, what did your daughter teach you through her own suffering? She taught me that love abounds. She taught me that you can even reach out to others when you are suffering. One thing that she did is she got in her wheelchair one day, pulled her hood of her sweatshirt up over her head, and rolled herself down the hallway and went and knocked on a door and went into a room. I heard her say, hi, I'm Elizabeth. I didn't hear more after that. And what I found out later from the parent who spoke to me is that Elizabeth talked about procedures in a way that a child could understand. And the mother told me that they took a huge amount of their fear and having Elizabeth's warm presence there made them feel like this is hard, but this is going to be okay. Here we have this young person coming and talking to me. 
And Elizabeth ended up being a greeter on the floor. She ended up going, even when she felt very weak, she thought it was important and she was reaching out to others. And that taught me a lot and became something that I do now um, with a journal writing program that they do where I reach out to others who are suffering. She taught me really never to give up, never to give up hope, and to sometimes you can find strength, more strength than you know that you have when you reach out to others. So talk to us about journal writing and why you feel it's important and give us some possibly some guidelines on how to go about that. Of course. I started writing by my daughter's bedside when she was first diagnosed. I wrote in the pre-dawn light. I wrote at night. I wrote of my hopes. I wrote of my fears. I wrote of my anxieties. I also wrote down what was happening because there was so much information that was coming at me fast and furiously, and it's very, very hard to absorb all that information. But I found if I wrote it down, and then I could go back and look at it a day or two later and ask a doctor or a nurse what this term meant or what this upcoming procedure was about, that it helped me hugely. So by expressing the bottled up feelings that you have inside, and putting them out on paper is a, is a release of some of those emotions. And not only do I know that it helped me greatly, but there's been studies done by James Pennebaker, um, who is a doctor, and he's brought in groups of people who have had traumas or people who are going through different cancer illnesses. And he has one group of people who write for 15 minutes a day and another group of people who do not write. Again and again, over 18 years of his study, he has found that people who write while they're undergoing a highly stressful situation have better, have better um, emotional outcomes than the people who hadn't been writing. And there have been other studies done in um, ICU settings, in pediatric intensive care settings, and in neonatal intensive care settings. And again and again, it is found that writing helps to improve people's un a understanding of what's going on, but also releasing some of their anxieties, and also being able to share with family and friends, some of the things that have been going on with their loved one. And it really is a way to connect to what's going on in your life with less fear and a little bit more, a little bit more in control of what's going on. So do you think that journal writing is important to uh, keep to yourself or do you think that you should share that? I think that depends on the individual. I only shared my journals with my counselor, but later on, I actually wrote a book based on my journal entries. I wrote a memoir, Hope is a Bright Star, and it helped me again in the writing process can help, can be very, very cathartic. And it can help you in time to make some meaning out of your loss. Do you recommend when you're journaling, let's say you 
you're going through something similar, you know, the loss of a child. Do you recommend going back like six months later and reading what you've written and see your uh, progress that you've possibly made? Or is that something that you write and then forget about? No, I think it's very good to go back and read your journals. I did that many times. And in fact, it made me realize how far I had come along. It's difficult to read and to know and to connect again with that person you were when you were in a real state of shock. But it is Mm. really powerful when you can feel how far you've come along and how you've evolved into a different person from that time. Now, you've written a couple books, so I know one is a memoir, but share them with us. Yes. Hope is a Bright Star is a mother's memoir of love, loss, and learning to live again. And it really is a companion to people who are on the journey of grieving and healing. I talk about Elizabeth's illness, but of course I also talk about her courage and her strength and the lessons that she taught me. And I also share with them lessons that I've learned about life and ways that I found comfort and peace. Often that was in a nature setting. I wrote a book of poems called Facing Into the Wind, A Mother's Healing After the Death of Her Child. And in my poetry, I draw a lot of metaphors with the natural world. This was one way that I could could express my feelings. And by drawing the metaphors, I didn't have to state something explicitly, but I inferred a lot of the emotions that I was going through. And I know people have told me that reading my poems has been of comfort to them. What a wonderful feedback to have that, right? To know that your experiences can actually help somebody else. And I thank you for sharing that. So you also have a writing program for uh, a children's hospital. Is that correct? That's true. I have a writing program at Mass General Hospital for Children where my daughter Elizabeth was treated. I reached out to the Family Advisory Council, which is a group of parents and medical staff that work to create the best environment that they can for both patients and for family members, because family members, of course, are extremely affected when a child is ill or any family member is ill for that fact. And I wrote to them about the benefits of journal writing and I actually shared research with the Family Advisory Council. I joined the council. They were very pleased to start a writing program. So I brought in journals to the inpatient floors on two floors of one of Mass General's buildings And I met with families and their patients and whoever was the caregiver. And I talked about the benefits of journal writing. And I also brought writing prompts to them. And I brought writing prompts to children and write different writing prompts for the adults. And I encouraged them just to start. And sometimes you could just take a writing prompt and, and work with that. And a writing prompt could be as simple as just write and you write just right 20 times until a new thought comes into your head. <laughs> or you could do, um, I took a, like a phrase from a, from a poem, or I took a phrase from a popular song. And I've had 
enormously positive feedback. I had in about the first 20 months, I met with 785 people and I had 80% of the people wanted to write. Oh, wow. It was, I found a real way that people were expressing themselves and I, I just was so really happily surprised by the number of people who wanted to engage with writing. Sadly, right now, I've had to take a pause because of COVID and not wanting to have an outside person um, go onto the inpatient floors. But in my absence, the director of the pediatric intensive care unit and the neonatal intensive care unit and the pediatric radiation oncology unit all have brought journals of hope into their areas of expertise. Oh, that's awesome. Thank you so much for sharing that. What a wonderful idea. Now, in summary, is there anything that you would like to say? Any um, advice, encouragement, any words that you would like to share in summary? I would like to encourage people again to be gentle with themselves and to know that in time you can live with sadness and with joy. Your life will be better. It will be different. There's no way it can be what it once was, but it can be different and it can be good again. So to really hold on to hope that one day you will come around a corner and you will see the beauty in life and you'll see the beauty in nature and in your friendships and in your community and you will be and you will be enlivened by all of that. And I think we all take those words for whatever we may be personally going through in our lives and apply them. And this has been enlightening. I appreciate uh, the encouragement and I appreciate you sharing your story and also to hear that there is life after trauma. Again, thank you for being on Never Ever Give Up Hope. Thank you for listening to Never Ever Give Up Hope featuring Carol Graham. Did you know that most people succeed because they are determined to? Quitting was never an option. Carol loves your comments and will respond to each one. So please subscribe and review this podcast. A rating of five stars would be outstanding and appreciated. Remember, if you are still here, there is always hope.